Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel Podcast. As a vibrant part of life at Trinity Western University, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Thank you for the opportunity to share my testimony with you today. My only regret is that we can't do it in person. My name is Todd Martin. I'm Dean of the Faculty of Humanities and Social Sciences and a sociology professor here at TWU. I've been at Trinity for 10 years and prior to that I spent 25 years as a church pastor in various evangelical congregations across Canada. Let me begin with a little sociology primer. In sociology, we, we focus on the intersection of human agency, or human choice, and social forces. In other words, we're interested in how human behavior is shaped by largely unseen forces and micro-interactions. Peer pressure, groupthink, social norms are all our cup of tea. Why do we make the choices we do? I believe personally a weakness of sociology today is its reliance on purely empirical data. What that means is that it ignores the role of the divine or the way in which God may also influence our behavior. I often quote 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9 in this vein in sociology classes. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. The most amazing things in life are not empirically discerned. Their effects may be. Also consider Paul's conversion experience on the road to Damascus as a good example of the supernatural influencing our behavior. He went to Damascus with one purpose and ended up completing a dramatically different one. Let me use this little mini sociology lesson as a segue into my own conversion experience with the hope that you can glean something of value to apply to your own faith walk. Let me begin my story 40 years ago in the spring of 1982. I had just finished my first year at a small Christian liberal arts university in Southern California that is now part of Azusa Pacific University. I remember the day like it was yesterday. It was a warm, sunny spring day, and I was standing on a small hill observing a graduation ceremony below. In a kind of -of out-of-body experience, my perspective was one of looking down from above on the whole scene. It was at this place and time that God was calling me to a decision. I had just about flunked out of most of my spring semester classes, was about to be placed on academic probation, and the sad thing was, I really didn't care. God and I were in a bit of a tug-of-war, and this was where it was going to end. A little background. As a teenager, I came to a place where I understood God was real. Very real. He created me, loved me, and desired to be in relationship with me. That initial encounter with God tremendously influenced me. It led me to make some pretty big decisions. At least they seemed big to a young teenager that would alter the direction of my life and set me on a course to be on that hill that day 
and in front of you here today. As I said earlier, in sociology, we understand that as human beings, we make choices. And those choices are not the same for everyone. Nor do those choices happen in the same contexts, or with the same resources, or same amount of capital. Society deals some people boardwalk and park place, while others get the Baltic and Mediterranean Avenue deal. And yet for others, they are lucky just to end up being dealt a get-out-of-jail card. We have choices, but they are constrained by social forces and, as we've already discussed, spiritual forces as well. As a teenager, I knew God was real beyond a shadow of a doubt. I was willing to bet my life on it, and I walked the talk in face of ridicule and pressure from both family and friends. I knew that I was a child of God. I knew God was sovereign. I believed that Jesus died on my behalf. I knew that God knew what was best for me. That day on that hill, where this battle was brewing, I also knew something else. I knew that I didn't know if I really wanted what God wanted for me. And I was sure I didn't know if I wanted it now. I really wanted God to want what I wanted. Look, we can, we can know God is good. We can know that He has our best interests in mind. But here is the big question. Do we want what God wants for us? Maybe you do. But maybe you, like me on that hill that day, are wondering whether you really wanted it, or maybe more importantly, whether you want it right now, because I knew I wasn't sure. In essence, I was hoping to keep God close by and available to me when in need. But I wasn't quite sure I wanted him interrupting me too much at this point in my life. In the short time I have left, I want to structure my comments around four scriptures that will give you an insight into how God has influenced my choices throughout my life to the point that I'm standing here in front of you today. The first one is John 8.32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Anyone in the humanities and social sciences should know that the FHSS motto is Veritas, Libertas, Humanitas. Latin for truth, freedom, and humanity. In 1981, the year I went to university, my mother gave me a gift. It was a full-grain leather Cambridge King James Bible. And in it, she wrote just one thing. John 8, verse 32. In this verse, Jesus is saying that he is truth that truth is relational and not just propositional. And by knowing him and more importantly being in relationship with him, we can experience true freedom. A freedom from our self-centeredness. A 
a freedom from our prejudice, a freedom from our ignorances, a freedom from our Adamic inherited brokenness and alienation from God. You see, in Christ, we are free to become fully human. My mother, in her wisdom, gave me the one verse I needed to become the man that God created me to be. Back to the hill. That spring afternoon, God was asking me when I was going to get off the fence. When was I going to stop trying to get the best of both worlds? When was I going to stop feeling self-righteous for all the sacrifices I had made for him and start serving him with my whole heart and being rather than just enough to feel pious while really deep down wanting to do my own thing. It wasn't a long battle, nor was it a bloody battle. If for C.S. Lewis it was a miniature garden in the top of a tin cookie box with twigs and moss, for me it was standing on that hill on a beautiful sunny spring day in Southern California. That day I chose real freedom by giving up control of my life and asking Jesus Christ to show me the way. It was done. I said in a short, quiet prayer an abbreviated version of my second scripture, Isaiah 6.8. Here I am, Lord, send me. From that day forward, that was my driving statement. I devoted myself to joining him in his redemptive purpose for me personally and whatever good he could use me for in this world. I was baptized later that summer and had a conviction to study God's word in a way I never thought possible. I also was never in danger of being uh, in an academic probation situation. I had gone to a Christian school because after I graduated from high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do besides play hockey. And based on my personal convictions I mentioned earlier, that ruled uh, that option out for me. I actually thought it would be harder to get into trouble at a Christian school than into a public one while I figured out what it was that I really wanted to do. I made a good choice. Actually, God made a good choice, a great choice. All the time, I thought I would go into business for my career and, and, and for my vocation. Corporate finance was the one course I didn't bomb that spring. In fact, I got an A+. But God had other plans for me. My third scripture is Matthew 6 and verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. This verse provided and continues to provide me the structure and clarification on how to spend my energies and my thoughts and my resources. I first seek him, and then I go from there, wherever that takes me. I did that when it came time for the next two most important decisions to make in my life. What do I do, and who do I do it with? For someone who spent grade school in speech therapy, 
and still, at that point in time, had a very pronounced speech impediment, and also someone who disliked any form of communication. God decided he wanted me to go into ministry. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, any effectiveness I had as a pastor over those years was in spite of me and fully to God's glory. Shortly after I was baptized in a pool, God humorously used another pool to introduce me to my future wife of 37 years. What started as a push into a pool turned into an amazing lifelong journey and exploration of and with the woman of my dreams. Neither of these gifts from God would have come about had I stayed in control of my life. There's a lot of ground between then and now. 25 years of ministry, four children, multiple occupations, a few gray hairs, less gray hairs. I did get a chance to do some business for a while and spent a few successful years as a financial advisor before God brought me back into ministry. My initial degree is in theology, but he provided the opportunity for me to get a second BA in sociology, then an MA in family studies, and then finally a PhD in sociology of family, all while continuing to pastor. In the midst of this journey, I even found time to spend five years as a parking lot custodian to pay the bills. I'm grateful now to be here at Trinity Western University and be given the opportunity to teach students like you day in and day out, in whatever way God provides. Although varied occupations and experiences, they all have one thing in common. I felt God was leading me and my family all the way. And this leads to my final verse. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your lives, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Since that day on that hill, my life has been God's. It continues to be God's, to do as He pleases and for His purposes. I'm at His service. In the end, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a broker, I'm not a professor, nor am I a parking lot cleaner. I'm a child of God, invited into this amazing journey called life, and I'm grateful to be able to come along for the ride. God is offering you the same thing. He's giving every one of you the same opportunity. Can you wait? Can you put it off uh, and, and, and decide later on in your life that you want God to take control? Sure, sure you can. God isn't going anywhere. But like the student who waits until the last minute to do their paper, they miss out on the joy of learning that the process provides and grudgingly turn it in, hoping for some mercy from the professor. Let me put it another way. I love my wife, and I love the experiences that our relationship has provided over the years. Could I have waited to get married and commit to this relationship when I was 60? rather than when I was 22, and still have an amazing wife? Absolutely. But I would have missed out 
on that intimate journey of meaning and significance over all of those years. God doesn't want you to miss another minute of living a life of freedom in Him and with Him. Let me conclude by asking you a couple questions. Is today your hill? And if it is, what are you going to decide? Thanks for listening. We hope you are blessed and be encouraged in your faith life. Chapel happens every Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 11 a.m. in the gymnasium or online at livechapel.twu.ca. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWChapel. Until next time, much love.